0: Hello everybody, welcome to a new episode of your favorite records. I'm your host Anders Nyberg and this week I'm here with my sister and we will be talking about her favorite album Continuum by John Mayer Which this album came out in 2006, I believe.
1: Yeah, 2006.
0: So kind of a while ago now And it I feel like it definitely has a very distinctive place in history as like I feel like after like 14 years or so even after 10 years now you can start to sort of see trends within music and sort of how that reflects trends in the real world. And that's definitely represented in this album.
1: Oh, 100%. Hi, all. I'm Britta, Ander's sister, as he mentioned. Yeah, he gave me a second to kind of think about what album I wanted to pick. And this one, as he mentioned, yeah, it definitely takes a place in history. I just feel really connected to it. Um, Yeah. Yeah, just like regardless of any kind of like, I don't know. I just, there's something really unique about this album that is so quintessential to John Mayer that I just really like. And also like every song is good on the album. So I think that that's
0: kind of cool. So this, would you say this is one of your favorite albums then?
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of my favorites. I mean, um, it's one of those that like you always think back to. (laughs) Yeah. Um, you always think back to it. It might not be necessarily like top of mind, but say I'm creating any playlist. Like there's usually a couple John Mayer continuum album songs on it. Mm -hmm. Um, because I don't think that these songs really get old. I mean, maybe waiting no. on the world to change because it's a little <laughs> derived and stupid now. Yeah. Because the world has not changed. Yeah, no, exactly. From <laughs> um, 2006, it's still a piece of shit. So yeah. I don't really give a shit about that song. But in general, I really like this album and I find it, yeah, just kind of, um, I don't know. It just kind of, it still feels... I don't know. It still feels important to me today, which is cool that it doesn't feel like it had its place in history.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I think that one of the reasons why it does feel so timeless is because it's, it really embraces sort of that bluesy sound to it, which is, is definitely a very traditional and like timeless sound. And he does it so well, which is awesome.
1: Yeah. And I was actually reading a Rolling Stone article about Continuum Um, And they were saying that this was definitely his start of his bluesy music. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, from here on, we start seeing way more bluesy stuff. We see, like, John Mayer trio. We start seeing more, like, kind of like Bruce Springsteen vibes. So, like, a little bit of rock and roll. But there's always a blues undertone in anything post-continuum in his music. And, it yeah, definitely we started hearing that in continuum prior. Um, It was definitely more pop, rock early his early 20s when he was like still living in his like parents house in his like first bedroom and like it was just definitely a, a different time in his life and i just feel like this is his record when he's like growing up a little bit i'm trying to remember what it says i think he was yeah he was 28 when okay. this when this album released so my age yeah <laughs> um maybe that's why i'm relating to it so much i don't know (laughs)
0: for for some reason i always thought this was like one of his first albums but it's really not
1: it's his third and it's like where he's kind of i think getting a handle on it and maybe now he's just like top of the industry but i think in this album we finally start to hear like um i don't know just like a more mature artist who kind of knows the craft and is a little bit less timid for sure. it seems a little bit more like this is who I am which I think I think um sometimes you hear that in people's debut albums but I think in his debut album it seemed a little bit more green yeah.
0: It, yeah. yeah let's talk about that a little bit I kind of when when I like to when I do these podcasts I kind of like to first maybe go back to sort of the you know the, the intro albums yeah and then uh eventually make it to this one to see kind of the trajectory I guess Totally. so his first album came out um is Room for square? No, I guess Inside Wants Out is his first one. It might be kind of an EP, actually. Yeah. So I think Room for Squares is his That's debut. the
1: one that people really yeah, remember him for. The other one was more of an EP. But Room for Squares, that's the one where, like, it was around that, like, Maroon 5 era where, like, we just started getting all of these, like, tremendous, like, uh, like male vocals that weren't, like, afraid to talk about heartbreak, almost, in yeah. like, this kind of nuanced way like right out of the 90s it was like very early 2000s and room for squares like he was like 1920 ish and he was um also like kind of in this like revolutionary place where like a lot of college kids just thought he was super cool and he was on mtv all the time (laughs) Like he had a couple shows on mtv where he would like dress up in a bear costume and, um, interview people at his own concert, like who were like tailgating before the show in like, in like the, um, uh, parking lot, they'd be like outside and he would, it would just look like some idiot who's just interviewing people. (laughs) And like, obviously like the camera crew, none of it said MTV. So no one really knew. And it was really John Mayer in a bear costume interviewing people about him (laughs) and like no one knew. And then people feel like freaking idiots. They're like blowing him off and like not giving him the time. And he was this dude and it was John Mayer. And he just like kind of got this rep as this like kind of cool guy. Like, but he was like kind of that like douchey frat, cool guy. Like, Oh, like I'm going to sing about how girls break my heart, but like I'm not, I might not be that very, a very good, good person, whatever. Um, and I don't really know if he's that necessarily has, left his vernacular in terms of who he is but yeah. um, I think that he developed at least a little bit more of a voice by the time continuum rolled out. So we're seeing room room for squares in 2001 yeah in 2006 we got continuum
0: for sure. yeah like R- room for squares like it's got some hits and some misses for sure. Uh, I know that, like, Your Body is a Wonderland is one of the most annoying songs ever. Oh,
1: my God. I, it's so good. You it's, like yeah? No, song? but it's, like, no, it's, like, so good, so bad. But, yeah. like, it's, it is what it is. Like, Why Georgia was, like, the number one. Like, everyone loved, like, Why Georgia, Why? Yeah. You know? Um, neon. and then No Such Thing is huge. Um, Neon. You know Neon. Oh, I
0: love Neon.
1: Neon's so good. Everyone loves Neon. Um... Back To You is, like, decently popular. Not myself. People know it. Um, do you remember
0: when this album came out?
1: Like, do I remember? I mean, it's 2001. So, like, when people think of 2001, they just think about 9-11. Like, at least I do. That's what I think about. Yeah. So, how old was I at 9-11? I was in third grade. So, I, like, remember. I bet I don't mom miss... put it on. What? I
0: bet mom was. Um, yeah, it. Yeah,
1: she definitely did. She was always so into, like, cool, like, young alternative music. So, like, this definitely would be in her genre. So, I, I mean... I definitely know we had this album. I remember seeing the CD at our house. Um, So we definitely had it. And we definitely listened to it. I remember listening to Why Georgia with Mom in the Car. Um, Yeah. We definitely really liked it. She definitely did. I can can imagine her going, So what? So I've got a smile on. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I can hear her singing that. That, Um, That was like
0: the same era as like Parachutes Coldplay too.
1: Yes. Parachutes Coldplay. Um...
0: Songs about Jane. Songs
1: about Jane. What else was that era?
0: Jason Mraz, probably. Um.
1: Yeah, we probably, you know, yeah, we, that's when we got uh, The Remedy by Jason Mraz. Those are all, like, the same um, sort of
0: genre, too. That's
1: when we got, like, well, that's when kind of Jack Johnson was breaking into the scene, oh, too. Yeah. It, was, it was a really good time for yeah, music, honestly. It really but it was, was all very, like, bluesy and, like, chill.
0: And it didn't um, really have, like political commentary at all? No, it didn't. I
1: mean, except for maybe if you, like, really listened to, like, Jack Johnson, maybe he might say some stuff about, like, like, let's just be in the wilderness and, like, fuck society type stuff. Yeah. But I don't really know. Um, But, yeah. Heavier Things he released after that. And that's when we got Daughters.
0: Oh, I do not like that song.
1: Uh, Yeah. I mean, it had its place in history. Yeah. Like Like, as I mentioned with Continuum... I feel like Continuum is transcendent. I don't think Daughters is transcendent. Yeah. It's, like, tacky.
0: It really is. Like, it's
1: like father-daughter's dance at a bar mitzvah. Yeah. Um,
0: Continuum, yeah. Should we, should
1: uh, we just go in? As
0: ahead? if. That's a live album, I guess. Yeah, so, so, Heavier Things was the album that came up before this.
1: Yeah. And, like, he tried. But then I think he maybe got back in the studio. I was learning about a little bit about, like, his process here. Mm-hmm. and he spent recording continuum he was he was recording it in 2005 and 2006 um and then let's see continuum was released September 2006 yeah but he recorded the album from November 2005 right up until its release so probably right before that um spent it in between LA and Nashville and honestly oh and New York and honestly when i think about People, when people write really good music, honestly, like, even though I'm not necessarily a huge country fan, when I hear people going to Memphis or Nashville to record an album, it's usually better because it's just, like, a really good place mm-hmm. to, like, be in an epicenter of, like, really good music and really yeah. good musicians. And country, even though, like, I don't like, like, the Bud Light pickup truck country, I like, like, real blues Loretta Lynn country. And I think that when you go back to, like, the essence of country for writing and playing music, I think that you can get some really good stuff. So I don't know if it's just, like, my own personal, like, feelings about it, but, I mean, the fact that he recorded part of this album in Memphis and Nashville.
0: No, I totally think that's true. And, uh, like, it is definitely the (laughs) epicenter of the music world, especially Mm -hmm. in this sort of, I don't know, I wouldn't call this Americana, but... It's got some some tinges. Of, it's got a lot of American character to this. So. Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, he has that one album that's, like, so Americana. It's, like, insane. Oh, yeah. That one's, like, make the moon going down, down. What is that one called? Uh, Well, yeah. Born and Raised. I think it's Born and Raised. Yeah. Oh, no, Paradise Valley. Paradise Valley is the one where he's straight up wearing a hipster hat in the picture. Yeah. <laughs> Um, (laughs) and that one's like the paper (laughs) Yeah. all those songs. He didn't have a ton of hits off that album.
0: No, no. He did
1: not. Born and Raised had more. I went to a John Mayer concert once and one of the songs on the, on the Born and Raised album is called Born and Raised. And there was this really drunk girl behind us, um, who would not stop shouting. We were like almost in the nosebleeds. Like there's no way John Mayer could hear her, but she would not stop shouting, born and raised born and raised she just really wanted him to play it and like finally like this dad who didn't even care about john mayer who was like there with his kids like got her to like go away but like (laughs) um it was it it was insane i was like girl no one can hear you except us and you're ruining this yeah he did not play born and raised
0: (laughs) i mean it's got to be somewhat comforting for musicians even like their worst songs still have Yeah, fans. I had never
1: heard, I I <laughs> I finally listened to Born and Raised on my drive home from that concert because I wanted to know why it meant so much to her. <laughs> and it was like not that great.
0: <laughs> oh my god.
1: <laughs> um but yeah, so he wrote them between those two places. What else can I tell you about it? Um just brief like breakdown of it. Yeah, this is the first record where we start to hear blues and soul come into his music versus just pop and rock. Yeah. And you know, um Several accolades. He won a Grammy for Best Vocal Album, hmm. Pop Vocal. Okay. Um, and he won like a Rolling Stone Award or something. And then it w- this album is still ranked as one of the 500 greatest albums of all time. By who? Good people. I don't know. It's, just, it's,
0: just, it's objective. <laughs> it's like an objective, it's an objective list. Um,
1: let me see. Who's that by?
0: Probably Rolling a Stone.
1: Reoccurring ranking by the American magazine Rolling Stone.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, they do those 500 rankings. That's cool, though. Right? I mean, I'm in. Yeah. I'm...
1: I'll, I'll buy it. Yeah. So, great album. Yeah.
0: Um. So, when, before we go like more in depth song by song, uh, like maybe we could talk about like, I mean, you and we're, we like probably heard this song a lot growing up. Like, do you remember like, like the circumstances of hearing this song, when the we were, song or the music, or this album, when, album? We were, when we were growing up,
1: yeah, because it came out
0: when I was like nine or ten, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: So, yeah, so I was in middle school, um, yeah, I was in eighth grade, I would have been in eighth grade when this album came out. Um,
0: what, what other kinds of music were you listening to at this time?
1: I was listening to a lot of No Doubt, like, I loved like old. Gwen Stefani like I loved like her weird like reggae-ish sound that they had in No Doubt um lots of Coldplay um lots of Glee cast I think that was right (laughs) when Glee started so I was listening and buying those Glee songs yeah which was fun because actually what those are like re-recorded like old hits which is kind of cool so I was learning about old music like that I didn't know about yeah that's true. I mean in retrospect that's kind of a problematic show but like I had a good time watching it Um, what else did I really like at the time? I've always just loved kind of like bluesy, sad music. So like anything that kind of had like that kind of strife feel, I really liked. I can't really think of specifics. I can just picture my pink iPad, iPod mini different (laughs) than an iPod shuffle. An iPod mini was like, or iPod color mini. It was like this weird size and it was like, I thought it was really cool, but the screen was still black and white. Yeah. Um,
0: Could you see the album covers on there? I remember when that was a big deal. No,
1: that came out. Our older brother had one of those. It was iPod Video is what they called that one. (laughs) Um, And they marketed it clearly like, yeah, you could see the albums. And then eventually you could start watching shows on that. And the show that was free on there was an episode of The Office. So it would just be free. Do you know which one it was? I want to say it was Gay Witch Hunt. (laughs) Which is still problematic, but... um, I don't know. It, it was either Gay Witch Hunt or Product Recall.
0: Oh, Product Recall is a good one.
1: It was one of the two, but both of those are so iconic.
0: Any, anyways. <laughs> Regardless,
1: uh, um, that's what you think of. Um,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, but... Yeah, so I had... And uh, it was really fun. I definitely liked that. Was the same that was the same time when like the when Fergie's album came out. So like Fergalicious, London Bridge, Fergalicious, Clumsy.
0: W- was this the era when we were watching? Uh, you got up before me to put on VH1 before I could put on Saturday morning cartoons.
1: Exactly. So VH1 Top Twenty Countdown. It would air at ten a.m. and it would air at seven a.m. I'd probably wake up at like eight, so I sometimes missed the, the last few. But it always ended with the top videos of the year. I mean mm. of the week or whatever. And there would always be like these kind of like very coked out like 90s like hosts. You Like now thinking about it, I think that they were probably on cocaine. I think back then I didn't really notice. I just thought that they were really excited. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: like Ryan Seacrest. And... Yeah,
1: it wasn't Ryan Seacrest, but it was like people like that. Yeah. I don't know who they were. But they would, yeah, they had banter and then they would talk and then they would introduce the music videos. And it was so fun and I loved it. And yeah, I would learn a lot about music that way too. But I listened every single Saturday I would watch it, wouldn't I? Yeah. VH1 top twenty video countdown. I absolutely loved it and I'd always beat you to the TV because you always slept in, no matter what age. I was you probably
0: were. laying on the floor of the hallway at that yeah.
1: point. Yeah. Uh, you guys just a note when Andres was little. Um he'd like we'd like tell him to like get out of bed, and eventually he'd get out of bed, but he like would never make it very far because he was just like such a like not an early bird but like I'm he would still bring, bring his comforter to like the hallway and then like keep sleeping on the hardwoods <laughs> hardwood floor i don't know why i, I that. don't know but then we'd have to like step over you <laughs> or like and then like it would just like but it was like a thing but like i swear i'd have like sleepovers and then people would be like is that your little brother on the ground i was like oh i didn't even realize that that was weird yeah. because i was so used to it but i'm like yeah there he is
0: this era when this album came out i was i don't know if this was Quite at the time when I had my first iPod, and I had a What I've Done" by Lincoln Park, and oh like yeah, Coldplay. I rem-
1: I remember this because I base because uh, they ended. up I bought them on my iTunes for you, um, and then they would shuffle into my music, and I'd be so frustrated because I had, there was some SpongeBob tracks on there.
0: <laughs> yeah, SpongeBob, like and
1: Campfire then- Song, and then like the whole SpongeBob. You you paid me to buy the SpongeBob movie soundtrack.
0: Yeah. And then
1: those would shuffle on, and I would just be like, ah! Like, so embarrassed. Like, what if, like, someone I thought was really cool, like, heard that, like, that shuffled on? And even though it would be, like, such a quick explanation, I was, like, you know, a devastated middle schooler. Oh,
0: and then I think I... Green Day was big around then. And,
1: oh, yeah. Christian, and Christian
0: liked Green Day, and then I started to listen to it, and then he couldn't like it anymore because yeah, I liked he's it.
1: always been like that. <laughs> um, Green Day was huge. American Idiot was definitely that era. He went to the American Idiot concert with Mom um, and a couple of his friends. And then what else was big? He also really liked Red Hot Chili Peppers at that time. Oh,
0: well, that's actually he – had, he had good music taste back
1: then. Yeah, and then, I mean, Rage was short to follow. yeah. He liked Rage Against the Machine pretty much all through high school, even though he, it was like his like breakthrough until he, he hadn't like fully become an extremely progressive person, but he was like working towards that yeah. through Rage Against the Machine.
0: <laughs> Anyways, we can start to get, sort of look into the, each song on this album. Uh, we should probably start getting to it because there's yeah. 11 of them. So the first song is probably the most famous song, uh, Waiting on the World of to Change.
1: Totally. Uh,
0: you said you didn't really care for this one that much.
1: Yeah, so, um, you know, most of the album really feels like kind of um, about relationships and breakups. And this song just feels honestly super random in the mix. And I think it's really strange that it's on this album because most of the songs on this album are about love and breakup and like, you know, heartbreak, remorse, whatever. And then this one's just like a weird political statement, um, which is cool. I will say in the time, this was an extremely progressive song and people were really excited about it. I remember when this song came out, and I was—it was really cool that it was on the radio because it was like saying, "like we're waiting on a better future, whether it's about climate change or it was called global warming at that time." Like, I don't exactly remember when *An Inconvenient Truth* came out.
0: Probably around then. Yeah. Probably
1: around that time. Um, I think but, it was
0: 2006. Actually. Yeah. So,
1: I mean, I definitely don't think that that's um, a coincidence. Um, but in general, I mean, it's a really cool song. What do I think about it? Um, let me see what I, what I, I kind of did. A, I listened to all of them and like gathered my thoughts a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, the lyrics, when you trust your TV, um, you get what you got because when you own the information, they can bend it all they want. Yeah. Um, and that's still extremely true. Yeah. So if you trust your television, what you get is what you got. But if you own the information, you can bend it all you want.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's
1: exactly what's still happening. So um, that's what I, when I was listening to it, that's the, that's like the lyric that I kind of, I don't know. I mean, I did not not agree with the rest of it. It's just like, okay, it's 15 years later <laughs> and we're still waiting on the world to change yeah. and it doesn't fit with the rest of the record. But I love this record and I do, this is just like the one song on it, which is funny that like we're starting with this one. Because I'm like I swear I'm not gonna bash this album. I love this album. This song, honestly, it just might be like the political climate right now.
0: Mm-hmm. Like it's just, changed a lot since then.
1: Yeah, like I'm just like, is the song gonna change anything? Well, it, it didn't in the last 15 years.
0: Yeah, for me, I I I like this song because it totally encapsulates the era of like post 9/11 sort of Bush era. Um, Mm -hmm. resistance to, like, Republican stuff. Totally. Like, because there really isn't really any specific, like, like, area they're looking at that they need to solve. They just kind of have a general idea that some things might be wrong. But there's nothing really coalescing that they can sort of get behind. Right. And that sort of meaninglessness and hopelessness is totally from that era. And, I mean, it's still as you said totally a thing today but
1: mm-hmm. I also it if you think about it this way like this is columbia records in 2006 like they couldn't be extremely he couldn't be extremely progressive columbia columbia records what well,
0: why why not
1: i don't know i just feel like that's a giant corporation music like conglomerate
0: yeah like, i guess
1: in 2006
0: probably not yeah in
1: 2006 would a giant record label like let you be like have a giant political statement and, like, release a major record. I don't know. I mean, he's John Mayer. He might have gotten away with it. But that's just another yeah, theory. Yeah, it definitely
0: depends on who you are.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's just a theory I have. I mean, I think that he got away with as much as he could for it being Columbia Records. And a lot of people love the song. And I think he did great. But I also don't think that, as you mentioned, I don't think he necessarily gave one giant point of view. It was more of, like, a broad spectrum, don't you think? Yeah, it,
0: and, like, it almost seemed like he didn't even know what he was saying, really yeah, singing about. Yeah, it's more like
1: when you're just, like, oh weird moderate and you like can't commit to a side exactly (laughs) yeah it's just like it's maybe that's why I'm so pissed about it I'm thinking about like being on dating profiles and seeing all these men who claim to be moderates and I'm like okay great like just so you know like everyone hates you yeah (laughs) yeah it's not cool (laughs) like that isn't cute honey no (laughs) I love your fish picture though
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh my god that's so true literally just
1: oh I mean at least it weeds out the bad eggs but
0: yeah
1: um but yeah I mean, this is just, yeah, it feels like a very moderate Joe Biden song.
0: <laughs> oh, definitely. I, I bet he likes this. <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, whatever. Yeah. But anyway, more to come. It's still not a bad song. It's not like I flip the radio station when it plays. It's just like, okay, we're still The lyric, like, we're still waiting. Oh, yeah. We are still it's waiting. It's like, yeah. I- it's 15 years later. <laughs>
0: So yeah, I'm sure Mitch McConnell will respond well to you just waiting and yeah. not doing anything.
1: Yeah, if we know, if we just keep waiting, nothing's gonna frickin' happen.
0: Um. Yeah. Anyway. But yeah, it, looking at the period of time it, it, it this album came out on, that song specifically is the most like dated in that way.
1: Yeah, that's true. Like the rest of it is just like so iconic. Like I cannot get over this album. I seriously love it. It's it's on most of my playlists as i mentioned.
0: So I don't trust myself with loving you is the next song.
1: Okay. Yeah, i listen to these songs on shuffle, so when i when i like listed them, they're all wrong. Okay, so I don't trust um I don't trust myself with loving you. Um hold on to whatever you find baby mm-hmm. is a lyric that i really liked about it. Um it's like it's kind of saying like It's kind of like that non committal guy almost. Mm -hmm. It's that non commit. It's like when you're in a. When you're liking someone and you're starting to date them, but they're like, I don't know if I like you enough, so I'm not going to like tell you I like you enough. Like, let's just keep dating. Like, let's see if we like. I don't want to like start a relationship with you. Like, I don't really know if we're there yet. Let's just keep dating and see where it goes. Like, hold on to whatever you find, baby. Like, I'm not going to like fully commit to you, but um because I don't trust myself with loving you it's like saying like it's it's like he's playing the victim like it's my it's me it's not you that's what I'm getting out of it yeah the lyrics are literally I don't trust myself with loving you like it just sounds like a douche canoe who's like not ready to commit to you but really he just doesn't like you enough
0: yeah yeah I mean (laughs) he definitely does sing a lot about this the same type of thing yeah um you know, and he, does, He for a while there, he has had sort of a reputation of being sort of just like this kind of douchey guy who, you know, just isn't really the best. He's had, like, a lot of, like, relationships that ended poorly, like, very public. But, I mean.
1: Yeah. I don't necessarily, like, hate him for this. I just think that it's it's definitely part of his trope.
0: Yeah. Um He's working on it. I mean, he's
1: working on it. I mean, this is 2006. Not that he's like necessarily found love yet or anything like that I is mean, he still he, single or he he is still single to my knowledge he's like 40 something now but um, yeah um, I don't I don't fault him for this but just like looking at it from my 28 year old eyes w- when 27 28 year old John Mayer wrote this mm-hmm. this is a non-committal dude in his late 20s. Who still wants to party with his bros. So this girl likes him. And then he's saying, I don't trust myself with loving you. Like yeah. he's like.
0: Yeah, making it out to be some romantic thing yeah, when it's really not. No,
1: it's not. He just wants to like go to, you know, he just wants to like drink and watch football and like play games with his bros and not like commit to texting her back. Like <laughs> let's not like, let's not like over dramatize this, John. That's, like
0: That's <laughs> hilarious.
1: It's what it is. Yeah. Okay, what's up next?
0: Um, the ne- uh, next is Belief. I like this song. Oh my gosh, this I is prob- love this you know, song. You know, waiting on the world to change, I was like, okay, maybe he has bad politics. Belief actually has some decent co- political commentary on it.
1: It's so good. Um, so, okay, just a few observations. I just absolutely love this little, like, excerpt I grabbed from his lyrics here. Belief is a beautiful armor, but it comes from the heaviest sword. Like, punching underwater, you never can hit what you're trying for. Some need um, the exhibition, and some have to know they tried. It's the chemical weapon and the war that's raging on inside. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, it's just so good. It's just, like, belief is beautiful armor. It's just kind of, like, everyone has their opinions, and it all might be like a little bit naive almost i don't
0: know yeah for me i took this i might just be this i might just like be inclined to see political messages and everything yeah. but i took like an anti-imperialist like anti-iraq war message from this like like us as amer like the american military sort of trying to ins- like insert its ideology into these nations that it's you know invading mm-hmm. and uh he's saying that like you know you can't you can't force belief on people.
1: No, exactly.
0: And uh I it's cool to see an anti-imperialist message especially in this sort of time. If that's what he's getting at. I don't know if it is, but that's what I got from it.
1: Well, okay. I mean, the one of his lyrics that kind of ends many of the bridges is no one's going quietly. Like what does that mean? Like no one's going quietly? Like Yeah. Like that means something. Like we're it's kind of it's kind of like almost pickety. Like we're it seems like a little bit like we're gonna stand up and we're gonna fight against this. Yeah. I mean I don't think that you're picking up um, themes of war in this when there's oh yeah we're never gonna
0: stop this war and stop the war
1: we're never gonna win the fight we're never gonna stop the war we're never gonna get this if belief is what we're fighting for yeah
0: that's true yeah it's very most scenes actually way clearer than I thought yeah.
1: Um, I mean, they say the chemical weapon for the war that's raging on inside. It's basically like almost maybe referring to like, um, like, a like the male ego needing to like bomb people for the chemical weapon for the war that's raging on inside. Like yeah. you're, you're having like some kind of conscious of cri- your crisis of conscious or whatever in your belief system. So you're going to bomb people. It's kind yeah. of what I think he's saying in that lyric.
0: And then the outro, uh, what puts a hundred thousand children in the sand, belief can, belief can, what puts the folded flag inside his mother's hand, belief can. Yeah, exactly. It goes it's, right back it's to it. It's
1: literally, that. and it's such a beautifully written song. It's like, um, he's basically saying like, yeah, like start living and start trying and start going. Like belief, like belief is like, Okay, so if we all just say, I believe in this without actually doing, because he's just saying, like, belief. Belief, What is belief? He's basically, like, saying, like, okay, so belief is a beautiful armor. Okay, that means, like, I believe in this. Mm -hmm. So if I say I believe in it, it's like an armor. Like, how can you tell someone that they don't believe in something? Oh, no, I believe that we're doing the right thing. He's like, okay.
0: yeah. It's interesting that this is the same guy who wrote Waiting on the World of Change because it seems like it's almost the complete opposite message.
1: I mean, maybe this was a song that he actually wrote and then he partnered with someone because they were like, dude, this one's too political. Like, you need to do one that's a little bit more, like, floofy for the radio. Yeah. Who knows? Because this song feels a little bit more like you can just listen to it and not even know what you're singing and listening to or you can really listen to it and actually hear it. Mm-hmm. Um... I mean, some of it, I think that it would take a hard time for you to not hear it. But with Waiting on the World to Change, like, it's more blatant, but it's also more, you know... Watered down. CNN package. Yeah, completely.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean... To be fair, though, like pretty much every song in this album has a similar sound to it.
1: Yeah, they all do. But I will say once again, I think that "Waiting on the World to Change" does not sound like the rest. of the It song doesn't. Song. No,
0: it not at it all. It seems,
1: and it's got this like kind of like happy like da 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 da. Like yeah. it's got this weird tone to it that just does not match. Belief falls naturally with vultures and gravity. It everything fits. Yeah. But
0: I wouldn't be surprised if "Waiting on the World to Change" was from some other thing that wasn't.
1: Maybe he didn't write it. Yeah, I'd be interested or, yeah, to know. Yeah. Or maybe he, like, quote, wrote it with someone else. Or maybe
0: it was think. from, like, an unreleased thing from a previous album or something. Yeah, like,
1: I don't know. I mean, it's not bad, but it's just, it's not at the caliber of the rest of it.
0: And it's not on the same wavelength either, you know?
1: No, yeah, it's like two different political views.
0: Um, we can move on to Gravity, another amazing song.
1: Oh, yeah, this one's just, like, everyone knows that everyone thinks about it. Um, this,
0: uh, it's, it's probably my favorite song he's ever done, mm-hmm. it's especially instrumentally, but also it's so, it's, like, vague, but in, like, not a bad way. Like, it's so applicable to pretty much everything.
1: Um, yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, so, gravity's working against him. That makes me think that he's depressed. That's yeah. what I take away from this song. Gravity's working against me. Gravity wants to hold me down. Um, uh, keep me where the light is. Like, he's trying to find hope. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that when you think about this in conjunction with the rest of the songs on this record, he's, like, either in love or going through a breakup. And I think in this song, this is, like, the dull drums right after a breakup where you just literally want to, like, order pizza and lay in your bed. Yeah. And he's, like, keep me where the light is. Like, give me some frickin' strength. Yeah. Um yeah he just he's gravity wants to weigh him down he just feels really low um also emotion wise his I think his greatest strength as an artist um, is of course I think his melodies are beautiful and he does some really good messaging with all his music but he's an amazing guitarist oh yeah out of control and at two minutes eighteen ish seconds he has um uh, like a revolutionary guitar song that like people yeah. know this guitar solo and know it's from the song gravity by John Mayer.
0: Yeah. And it is, you like, know what I'm talking completely. about? Completely. And it, it doesn't sound like he was just like, Oh, I'm going to go try to write a cool guitar. solo." like you can tell, if you tell he like literally like breathes guitar, like, like, yeah. like Jimmy Hendrix or something. Yeah,
1: And he is that good. I've been to his live stuff and it's, he's insane. Like That's I'm getting chills just thinking about it. He's insane. Um, and we'll talk about it later. There's a different song where he has a really long guitar solo and I just have more to say, but, yeah. um, yeah, he's so good. And I think it adds to almost like the gravitas of the song. It makes the song feel more relatable and makes it like, it's almost like the guitar is him saying, I don't know how to say that I'm really sad. So I'm going to say, I'm going to play guitar for you. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, he's out of lyrics but like he's sad
0: yeah and th- this song doesn't have very many lyrics yeah it, it's but th- it just like the feelings are so potent he's uh, he's i know he's i read a uh, interview where he said that this is the best song he's ever written and probably is gonna be the best song he ever writes which is pretty incredible
1: yeah i mean just where he goes just keep me where the lad is yeah. he just keeps repeating it and keep me where it's just like he keeps saying it over and over again it's like desperate for joy, mm-hmm. desperate for the, uh, like, a, just, a, just some relief from his pain. And yeah. you feel it. It's a re- I think it's because, you know, no matter what you're listening to, you know, you've, everyone's watched some of those shows where um, people audition or sing music and like the, the hosts and the judges always say like, well, no, sing from the heart. Mm -hmm. that's what like that's what the audience relates to Mm -hmm. and when someone does sing from the heart like you can't look away Mm -hmm. and that's what you feel when you hear gravity like it's totally from his heart yeah i love it
0: and it's kind of funny how this is placed right before heart of life i believe which is Mm. like the complete opposite vibe like it's a good song i really like it but it's really kind of like an uplifting positive song
1: Yeah, it is, but it isn't. I have more to say about that one, too. Uh, Should
0: we move on? Yeah.
1: Um, So first I have to say about Heart of Life. Um, I cheated on a poetry exam with this song. Or not exam, but like assignment in high school. What Uh, do you mean? We had to write a a poem. (laughs) And I just put... I like maybe switched a few of the words... But I literally took an excerpt from Hard Is Life. Um,
0: what, did you, what part did you and take? And I know
1: that that's like a thing on TikTok now I've heard about. Like people who just like say, like they just like write down like Billie Eilish lyrics and like put it oh in. Oh my God.
0: But like, I, this is like,
1: I'm like the OG. Like, that's amazing. But a couple of people started laughing and then they got in trouble. Like don't laugh at her poetry because they made me read it because she thought it was so good.
0: Yeah, they knew what you did and then they
1: knew what i did and they were giggling and then they got in trouble for laughing at my art but then no one sold me out it was awesome um <laughs> and i just like i don't remember what part of it i think it was like pain throws your heart to the ground like love puts the whole thing around i changed a few of the words but i mean it was straight up it was straight up from this song so like the i'm song, proud of you
0: for that <laughs> like
1: holla i mean like yeah friggin' high school uh, but yeah, so I I loved this song in high school. Um, I, I know that, the, yeah, so it came out, this album came out right before I went to high school. Um, and I just loved it. I loved this song. Um, now I like it. This song and Stop This Train were like my high school jams. Now they're like my least favorite songs on, on the album. album because I just, I oversaturated them and they like mean nothing to me now. You know what I mean? When yeah. you just like run them dry. Like I'll listen to the song. I won't turn it off, but it's It's just not as much to me. Those are both
0: really personal songs for him, I think.
1: Yeah, they are. They're really good. Um, But with Heart of Life... Okay, so this is what... So I think that this is a song where he's still in the relationship. But he's almost... I wrote mansplaining to his partner. He's sitting her down and telling her... Pain throws your heart to the ground. Love turns the whole thing around. Um... But at the end of the day, heart of life is good because the song starts out. He's like, "Why are you sitting there, lying in that position?" Like, he's like, "Turn around and listen to me." He says, oh, "Like, did,
0: did he does he say that?" Yeah,
1: okay. To read the beginning of the lyrics, what does it say? I hate
0: to see you cry, lying there. In, oh yeah, there. I hate to see you cry, lying there in that position. There's things you need to hear, so turn off your tears. And oh yeah, that's bad.
1: It's mansplaining. Yeah,
0: I didn't realize it's that. really
1: mansplaining. And so I was like, meh. I think that's probably why I hate it because I'm just like such a. I'm such like a, I don't know, such a feminist and I just like hate when men tell me what to do unless they have a good reason for it.
0: I guess I didn't even hear that part because I I just... Because you're a
1: white male, dude. You're at the top of the freaking food chain. Why would (laughs) you? Yeah, you're right. You're right. But yeah, so I heard and I was like, he literally tells her to turn off her fears and listen. And then he says, pain throws your heart to the ground. Love turns the whole thing around. No, it won't all be the way it should, but I know the heart of life is good. I don't know what he's telling her. I don't know if she's just sad and he's like, you know what? It's okay because it's going to be better. Like the heart of life is good. Yeah. It's, um, I think sometimes a lot of times people only hear the hooks of the song and people, there is some good parts of it, like, Oh, the heart of life is good. Like that's think, like
0: all I heard. From I it, think yeah.
1: that mom would have loved, mom would walk away from the song <laughs> and go, Oh my gosh, what a good message yeah. this one has. Yeah because the heart of life is good. At the end of the day, every like everyone has everyone is inherently good. You don't know Yeah, what I,
0: mean? I don't think that's true at all. I think that, that, that it, it's, it's comple- completely wrong. No,
1: it's it's and, it, and it's kind of coming from like a really bad place. It's almost like we're in an unhealthy relationship and at this point he's just like telling her what to do. And
0: it's like, or "Oh, he's hey, like
1: I- he's like trying to rationalize it, but he's never making it his fault. He's saying, The world is inherently good. Yeah. So just try better or something.
0: Yeah, exactly. So yeah,
1: I used to like the song and then I listened to it again and I was like, bitch, turn off your ears and listen. Yeah. (laughs) Like, no, (laughs) I'm just not here for it. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I do know. Yeah. Now that I'm saying that again, isn't that funny that like you didn't hear that?
0: Yeah. It is, it, you're right, it is kind of weird. I, I guess I didn't really do a deep listen to this album, but, you know, of course that's not something that I would pick up on.
1: But also, you're a feminist, and you, you're you always really good about, I don't know, not, like, taking the blame for your gender, which is cool, but you don't have to.
0: I mean, I I see it. It's is very prevalent. But. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, it's everywhere, man. Yeah. Mm.
0: And John Mayer, I mean, <laughs> the reason why like I don't usually delve into his album's past this point is because I know a lot of the songs are <laughs> even more so like this. Like, well,
1: honestly, like I will say, Search for Everything, I had it on my list too as a song, as an album we could talk about. I want you to listen to it. It's so good. Okay. It's really good, and it's more modern. Um, it's the album that has still feel still Feel Like Your Man on it. Every other song on it is phenomenal.
0: Okay. I'll check it out. Um I just I was I was thinking more battle studies. Oh yeah. Like
1: No, that one's not good. Born like, and Raised isn't great. Like there's no, there's a couple of really bad albums. He hasn't um Hannah and I talk about it. So Hannah Cruzen who went to the concert with me.
0: Yeah.
1: Um we both kind of agree that like I mean she she likes the Born and Raised album and I don't mind it. I didn't ever get into it as much as she did, but like it kind of does go continuum and then to this new search for everything. Like it took him a long time to get as good of an album out. Okay. And Claire loves it too. It's so good to us. Like, I don't know. Like Emoji of a Wave is phenomenal. And then there's this other song on it. Um, You're gonna find something in me or something like that. It almost has like... um, Like, almost Toy Story vibes of that, You're want to
0: live forever in me?
1: Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It has those vibes of, like, you know, when the boy goes off to college in Toy Story?
0: Yeah.
1: That's what it reminds me of. I don't know why. Hmm. It's, like, weird nostalgia, but it's, like, really pretty. You can cut that. I I might. Please edit this.
0: You want me to cut that?
1: You can edit. You can edit whatever you want, man.
0: Okay. It's long. I'll think about it. Um... (laughs) we're we're gonna move on uh to the next song which is i gotta look this up the next song is vultures
1: oh i love this song um
0: this song i love because of the guitar um and that's usually the first thing i gravitate towards in john mayer is just i mean as you said mm -hmm. it's like he's one of the best
1: yeah i mean this song is so good and i feel like there's no way that he didn't write the guitar first. Yeah, you can tell, and even the way he sings it, the down to the wire, I want it. You know oh, what I mean? Yeah. Like, he's ba- the way he's singing is based off of his guitar strums. It
0: is, yeah.
1: Um, you can tell that that's what it's from. So it's really cool. Also, like, sorry for the listeners for the fact that I'm a horrible singer and I have no pitch. Believe me, I auditioned for choir. It just like didn't work out. <laughs> um, but anyway. I wanted water but I walked through the fire like he's saying like the world keeps testing me like he keeps like fighting through the wrath of the paparazzi. Like I think that the vultures are definitely paparazzi because mm-hmm. he says the vultures right outside my door. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Like they're always listening and they're always like trying to twist his words. Like this song is, is... straight up about. Yeah. yeah about paparazzi. So the vultures, I think, are, like, either paparazzi or, like, community scrutiny.
0: I, I thought I took it as, like, his mental health. Like, the vulture is, like, a symbol for, like, depression or something.
1: Oh, that's true. You know, I mean, I'm just such, like, an e-news girl <laughs> that, of course, I took it that way. Like, I'm such a Bravo TV stan. Like, I don't do Real Housewives, but, like...
0: But, yeah, I mean, if you're choosing a bird, you know, the vulture would make sense for paparazzi. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I think that, I mean... It's hard to know, but exactly what he's thinking about in this song, but the fact that he says that the world keeps testing him. Yeah. That could be another sign about depression. That could definitely be also about the paparazzi. I don't know. But, um, regardless, I think that the most impressive part about this song to me, is definitely this, the like the tone and the, and the guitar. I totally agree. But regardless, I think it's a nice note to say like, Hey, like i'm like i'm human and people people are doing like are saying what they perceive about
0: me so uh this is interesting what i'm looking up right now so this song in addition to gravity are the two songs that have co-writers on them and they're also written by they're written by they're co-written by his two bandmates from the john Mayer trio i don't know much about that oh
1: they're so good the john Mayer trio is amazing
0: it's I've heard that it's like sort of like top of the line, like really. Oh, good Anders, you. That he works with.
1: I know that people give John Mayer a bad rap, but listen to the John Mayer trio. Okay, out of control. Is but anyway,
0: just like a lot of jamming and stuff.
1: Um. Well, yeah, but like I mean, it's not like Yo Yo Ma Goat Rodeo Sessions level. It's not that good. <laughs> like that stuff's insane. Yeah. Um. But. It's just like talented people who know how to play and clearly know how to work off of each other and clearly like inform each other's music. Mm-hmm. It's just like fr- when, fr- when like you see, even if you're in a room with two best friends and you're not necessarily their best friend, but like they have that energy that just kind of like brings the whole room up because like they are such good friends that like they have like this banter with each other, mm-hmm. or whatever it is. That's what and it's like. That's what, that's what any like I think good, music ensemble sounds like yeah it's like they inform each other because they they can collaborate well yeah they can listen and change
0: And he, he definitely has a gift for making it sound effortless for coming up with melodies and stuff like that and i'm sure that mm-hmm. that is reflected there too
1: yeah totally um interesting though that this is a co-writing song
0: yeah because it's it was originally part of something they came out with it was originally featured on a trio something okay but Makes we sense. can. The next song, "Stop This Train." You said this is mm. another one that you have kind of gone sour on.
1: No, not necessarily gone sour. It's just I. This I wouldn't say that this one bugs me nearly as much as "Hard as Life." I would just say that "Stop This Train" is. I just listen to it too much.
0: It it seems to be if if what I'm getting at is true, it seems to be sort of maybe the heart of this album being continuum, meaning like. You know, impermanence with of time and everything. Mm. Uh, time's just slipping away. Yeah. And he wants to stop the train. Uh, Do
1: you remember this song? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's so good. I mean, this is one
0: of the more famous ones.
1: And I mean, there's those raw moments in it, like when he's singing Stop This Train and his voice gets kind of high towards the end and he's saying it again. He's like, this train won't stop. Like he really, it's another one of those songs like Gravity, where you can feel his heart. Like, you can feel his passion. This is definitely a song that's very full of heart. And um, I think that it starts out with a beautiful lyric. No, I'm not colorblind, but I know that the world is black and white. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to keep an open mind, but I just can't sleep on this tonight. Like, he's just saying, like, literally, at the end of the day, we're all human. Whatever he's saying, whatever he's saying, he's just saying, like, oh, like, the world, yeah, like, stop telling me it's so, comp. like, it's just, the world is spinning, and I, he's just trying to get a grasp on reality, whether, whether that's about a relationship, whether that's about his career on the road, whether that's about him writing music, or getting famous really quickly, whatever it might be about, I think it's really applicable to so many people. I know a lot of people relate this song to that time in your life when you're um, just graduating high school and you're having pressure to go to a university or find um, or all of a sudden at 18 know what you want to do with the rest of your life. A lot of people bring this song up because it's kind of like, oh, my gosh, it's literally full throttle. All of a sudden you need to know everything at once And, like, obviously, Europe has figured it out. And, like, there a lot of people do gap years and things. And it's, like, so much better. But, like, of course, America is insane. And, like, we just can't hang. And so we try to, like, force people into these, you know, into this, like, rhythm, this train. And it doesn't slow down. And then it definitely burns people out. Um, So I'm not surprised that there's a lot of um, draws towards, like, college and university life with it. But
0: I thought, to me, it sounded like like a... Almost like a quarter life crisis for him, like, oh, absolutely, like just like what am I my life is just going and going, you know, I'm almost thirty at this point mm-hmm. probably, yeah,
1: i mean the the other lyric I like is I'm so scared of getting older, I'm only good at being young, yeah, I tried to play the numbers game, but something about this has begun, and then you know it's it's saying like. It's it's how we feel. I feel that way too. Like I mean, I I'm kind of an old soul, so like I've I en- I enjoy the idea of getting a little bit older. But in general, like the youthfulness, like the idea, like the naivety, like the fact that like we kind of get away with more things as younger people because we're just like not supposed to know everything. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But yeah, and then he goes on to say, like, I had a talk with my old man and he's saying, talking about, like, talking to his parents. And there's even a lyric in there about the fact that his parents are going to die one day. Yeah. And what that's going to be like and how that's going to just, like, how shitty that's going to be. Like, you know, in a decade, my parents will be gone or something like that. And that's, it's the harsh reality. So regardless of what it is, I envision this. Like I've been on a few few Ural trains like through Europe and when you're, when you're looking through the window of a fast moving train and all you see is kind of just green blurs from like all the trees you're going past yeah. and it's just kind of like the, the, like the world is moving in front of you very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's kind of how he was feeling. So I, I mean, I think he's, he's, an, he's a very talented man. I mean, I think he speaks very well about his life.
0: Yeah, definitely. Even he even speaks about like his naivete like yeah. in a in, in a way that is almost mature but also not, which is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, he plays he plays that really really well. He plays like this I have a really good sense of who I am. Mm-hmm. And he knows he has a good like conviction, but he also plays like I don't know it all. Like he he plays some really good cards. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows. Yeah, he 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 strikes a really good balance, which is maybe why he's had such mass appeal. Honestly. Yeah. Where a lot of people can relate to him.
0: Yeah. Definitely. Uh, the next song, "Slow Dancing in a Burning Room."
1: Out of control.
0: This this is a relationship song, I think, too, right? Yeah.
1: Um, but it's also like. The relationship is ending.
0: Yeah. And he knows it.
1: Like, there's literally a lyric in it that's like, go cry about it, why don't you? Um, uh, So, we're going down and we're doomed. But we're slow dancing in a burning room. So, it's funny when people put this on. I think that, like, a lot of people will put this song on, like wedding playlist I think that's so funny because I think that they just think of it as like dancing with a partner that they love
0: It's it's not. but literally
1: this song is I mean but also like this is like the hilarity of weddings for me like great I get to like look hot and be like the weird single friend who's literally just watching all these people get married and they pick the weirdest freaking wedding songs like are you kidding me slow dancing in a burning room (laughs) is literally we're going down and we're doomed but we're slow dancing in a burn. So it's like <laughs> it's like we're moving slowly into the death of our relationship. We're we're still in it, but we know it's ending.
0: Yeah. And
1: I've had friends in relationships like this where they both know like it's yeah. going it's not this is not going to last, bro. Yeah. Like both parties know But there's this moment where they're just, like, still kind of going through the motions of a relationship. And that's what the song is about. But on the surface, it's very romantic sounding. Mm -hmm. And he sounds sexy while he sings it. And there's a great (laughs) guitar solo. And it's about dancing. So, of course, it's on wedding playlists. Yeah. But, I mean, can I just say once again, like, mansplaining, go cry about it, why don't you?
0: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Go cry about it, What don't you?
0: Yeah, it's like, if, hmm, I wonder why your relationship's ending. <laughs>
1: yeah, I don't know, maybe because you're a dick? <laughs> like, No, you're not perfect, dude, clearly. Like, I'd love to give him a piece of my mind. Yeah. That being said, he'll never leave my playlists, and I love him. I just want to give him constructive criticism. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Uh, Yeah, I don't have much more to say about this. I imagine myself spinning in circles in a blue dress that lights on fire like um, Girl on Fire from Hunger Games. Yeah. Where it all of a sudden just catches fire and she turns into Katniss Everdeen. Because this is literally like... it's It's just another play where he's so clearly an extremely intelligent man. Yeah. And he's singing... A romantic sounding song but it's actually about like a horrible breakup yeah. he's a very he's extremely smart and talented
0: yeah <laughs> and it's funny how how that can happen where people feel get a certain feeling that speaks to them in a song even though that's yeah it's completely just like not, not the lyrics what the song's about. oh it
1: happened to me when i was writing i was making a playlist for my friend for her engagement party and i was putting all these songs that i thought were romantic on it and then i like decided to take one more look before i like Put it on the puss, and I was like, shit, shit, shit. I had all these songs they had to take off that were actually, like, about breakups, but they just sounded romantic. Yeah. And I was like, oh, good job. Good job for editing your work.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You always got to.
1: Got to. Got to, got to. It tricks you.
0: Bold as Love is the next song.
1: This is the one that, when you were listening to it earlier, I wanted you to really, like, listen to those opening lyrics. Remember, I was like, we can't talk about this yet because we're not recording. Did you hear it? How it just like starts with the word anger.
0: Yeah. This song has a lot of cool associations with emotions and stuff. But this is actually originally a Jimi Hendrix song. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's a cover.
1: Okay. That makes more sense. We can still
0: talk about the lyrics though. No.
1: Okay, but no. But that actually makes more sense because I wrote poetry and I wrote he's trying to rationalize a deep crush into words question mark i was confused because it didn't really mix with the rest of the album and i also thought it was weird that he's so usually melodic and guitar focused and in this song i felt like the lyrics drove the song yeah and i was like this doesn't make sense for him i thought have... it was really good but i was like how did he do it
0: i mean the the guitar solo is pretty amazing as well oh
1: it's so good yeah um so i actually wrote this in here so i said um another great guitar solo showing so much emotion so powerful the lyrics are amazing but then we go into the guitar and it starts at two minutes and it ends at three minutes and about 45 seconds So it is a one minute and 45 second guitar solo, but you feel like you're just listening to lyrics. It's so seamless.
0: It really is. Like
1: I was listening to that and I didn't even realize I was listening to a guitar solo. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you're, it it feels like you're listening to just like a song with lyrics. Like it's so good. Because
0: the emotions are just interwoven so effortlessly. Yeah.
1: So I get why it's on the record in that, in that respect, because I mean, I couldn't believe it. Because I've listened to this song so many times and I had no idea that a minute and 45 seconds of the song is just guitar right yeah. in the middle.
0: That's crazy. Like,
1: it's that good that you don't even notice it. Um, and I also like, even though now I'm knowing this is Jimi Hendrix, I like the lyric, li- ribbons of euphoria. I thought
0: that was cool. I, I like how, how emotions are, like, sort of tied to colors in this song. Mm-hmm. Like, with, like, the purple... And then the green and everything. And yeah. then he talks about a rainbow later. And, that, I, I, and or, orange is young, you know, uh, green and envy. Mm-hmm. Um, just stuff like, I know it's not Yeah, and it bright, builds, but...
1: too, because he says, yeah. And he says, my yellow is not so mellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, purple armor, green sneers on the grassy ground. And then he says, my emotions are keeping me from a rainbow like you. Which, when I didn't know that this wasn't John Mayer, I was like, once again, Mr. John Mayer, saying that his emotions are keeping me f- keeping him from a girl. <laughs> it's like I'm too emotional for you. It's like no, bitch, you just want to play video games. Like, stop. <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: That's like so stop funny. saying
1: that. Just tell a girl how she how you feel. I swear she won't care. She just right wants. It. She just she knows what you're saying. So just fucking say it. Yeah. Um. I mean, but now that I know that it's Jimmy, like whatever. But it still means that like he saw some truth in this song.
0: But... Yeah. And to me though, like, it says two things overall for me. Uh. One, you know, he he has to know how good he is if he chooses to cover a Jimi Hendrix song. God, you know, like he's Jimi so Hendrix is good. best guitarist of all time, and he's and so clearly John knows he's probably one of the best guitar players of all time. I don't I know mean, if he is or not. But,
1: I mean, Andres, like I. I know that, like, he's not, you're, you're not an ultimate stan, but you really appreciate his craft. Yeah. But I want you to dive a little deeper, even if you type in, like, John Mayer Trio or um, just listen to some, like, best guitar sellers by John Mayer, whatever, YouTube, whatever. Yeah, I
0: will.
1: Because it's kind of nuts. It's kind of nuts. Yeah. Like, and he's clearly an introvert who's got a goofy sense of humor like he's not an extroverted man like he likes and i've listened to enough interviews where he's just like no i'd rather like be alone with my guitars like when i was young i used to just like sit in my room and play with my guitars like he did not leave his room he he like is self-taught on guitar and just like sat in there and like made himself learn it like he's just insane
0: that is insane
1: he just like listened to people and like figured it out and like probably eventually got some training but like
0: sometimes you're just born with it
1: yeah, maybe it's Maybelline. Um, <laughs> but he's, yeah, no, he's just insane. And he figured it out on his own. He was clearly meant to do it. And he's phenomenal. He's phenomenal. Yeah, so please listen. Please listen to more of his.
0: Um, so the next song, Dreaming, Dreaming in a Broken Heart. It just seems like it's another love song. I, I don't really get too much from this one. Uh, the one question I had, maybe you have an answer to this. Uh, at the end, he almost repeats this. He repeats this over and over again, where he says, um, "Do I have to fall asleep with roses in my hand, or something like that?" Yeah. And he says it like a ton of times. Um, I don't really know what that means. <clears throat> Do I have to fall asleep with roses in my hand? Yeah. But okay. it, this is about another breakup, I think. Uh, this song.
1: Yeah. No. Okay, so I wrote this, this about this song, and then all of a sudden I can't find it in here. But I can speak to it. Um. So, so this is what I know. I totally wrote about this song. Where is it? Dreaming with a broken heart. Why can't I find it? Cause I was like, so my theory on this one was that he really. Oh, here it is. Okay. So when he's saying, "Do I have to fall asleep with roses in my <laughs> hand?" I said, "That idiot." <laughs> um like okay like that's not enough so basically what I think he's saying is like it's like that it's like after a breakup when you really like someone still but like you know it didn't work but like you still love them and he's like having dreams about her like he still thinks he's gonna wake up next to her he really likes her and um He's hoping that if he falls asleep with roses in his hand, but like in his dreams, he can give them to her and then she'll get back together with him. That's what I think. Um, and what's an, that's my only, that's the only thing I can come up with. Yeah. But also what I, what I wrote down was you idiot. That's not going to be enough. Like, Oh, like, I'm so sorry. I was like a dick for three years. So like, here's some roses. Yeah. (laughs) And maybe that's not it. Yeah. But like, what else would it mean?
0: It's, it's it, If that's true, that would be pretty funny how he can be so, like, raw and poetic about so much and be so, like, dumb at the same time. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like. I mean, most men are, though. Sorry. Um, I mean, in general, like, I think that a lot of people... I, women are, too, but, like, there's always a balance. Yeah. Um, but he's he starts this, the song off with waking up is the hardest part and giving up is the hardest part like so he's sent he's definitely like saying like he's waking up in sadness about this about this relationship yeah wondering um oh like like he's just uh what does it say will will you wake up beside me like it's not gonna happen and definitely roses won't fix it roses never fix it by the way <laughs> Um, roses
0: die very quickly. Yeah,
1: they're, like, a... And, like, they're full of chemicals because they've been cut, like, a week before. Um... Yeah, also, if you're holding roses, definitely wash your hands after if they've come from, like, the store because they're actually, like, full of chemicals to keep them alive on the stems. Um, like, they sit in, like, really, really, really chemical-filled water. Um... Cut. <laughs> anyway, um... But yeah, Dreaming with Broken Heart. I don't have much to say. I just think it's really weird that he says that part. I still do love the song. He does the piano in this song is so good. Mm -hmm. You open it and once again, you hear those opening notes and you know what song's about to happen.
0: Yeah. It does kind of seem like sort of a standard piano, like backing, like.
1: Yeah. But the opening part, like, it is unique. Yeah. That opening right before I guess I don't remember that opening part. I mean, I mean.
0: But I trust you. (laughs)
1: Here, can I play it really yeah, quick?
0: Yeah, you can play it. Okay. Oh yeah.
1: It's not like unique,
0: it, but it it frames the like the emotions he's trying to get out.
1: It's it's dreary. So you get it. It's 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 really, it's ethereal. It's it's definitely not the caliber of his guitar. Yeah. But it's still really fabulous.
0: For sure. Yeah, I mean, and he can craft a good chord progression that gets the stuff he's trying to get at. Mm-hmm. Probably. No, yeah. Without even thinking, probably. It's really
1: seamless. I think it's great. But yeah, no, I think that the song isn't... No, I mean, when we're breaking apart the lyrics, I feel like all we're doing is like bashing him, which is so funny. And I feel like it's probably different than the rest of your podcast.
0: No, it's not. About really. the lyrics.
1: Okay, but yeah. No, I, I mean, I do love the song. And yeah, no, I think it's... It's just got, it's, it's still like holds my heart a lot. Like I still really like it, but I do think that if he falls asleep with roses in his hand, she's not going to say yes. Just a, just a side note for you, John. It's not going to work. Good question though. (laughs) Good question.
0: Thanks for asking us.
1: (laughs) Thanks for asking, uh, Anders and Britta, if you fall asleep with roses in your hand, if. She's going to get back together with you. Uh, the answer is no.
0: <laughs> Do you think that this is? these are all about the same relationship?
1: No. I think he's a playboy. Yeah. But also, if the song Vultures has taught us anything, we know that, you know, he, he definitely just, like, gets a lot of shit talked about him. That might not be true, but, I mean, I think that there might have been one big breakup that was the catalyst. Mm-hmm. Because it's clear that something changed in his life to make this album so much better than the previous two. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't think it could have just been maturity, especially because he wrote most of this himself. So there had to have been some kind of a catalyst. So it might have been a little bit of a relationship situation. But I think that there was also definitely, probably a couple escapades here. Um, But definitely probably one relationship that either like, some girl told him off or something, but mm. I don't really know. <laughs> I'm feeding my dog a pretzel.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: What do you think? Do you think that there was one big love or do you think there was a lot?
0: Um, I mean, I think it's at least a few of the songs definitely seem like they're talking about the same thing. Because uh, it seems to be a pretty fresh wound that he's mm-hmm. singing about. I just find it interesting in general that there are so many the good albums that are breakup albums, you know? Yeah. I mean,
1: I think it's just like, um, I think it's because it's like societally okay to talk about breakups when it might not be societally okay to talk about depression, anxiety. Yeah. Um, that's true. Other things like that. Breakups, although they are just, they elicit a lot of the same emotions are a little bit more, um, maybe not necessarily easy to write about, but, socially acceptable to write about so I think they get written about more Um, but even though I haven't necessarily had one big long relationship in my life I still relate to these songs in a lot of ways so I think that it's interesting how relationship songs can still relate to you in so many ways I don't know how you feel about that but I don't necessarily think that relationship songs have to just be about people who've had a really bad breakup
0: yeah definitely i mean i i think that no matter what you're singing about if you lay your emotions bare and you you pretty much give everything give give everything you're feeling to the songs um it doesn't matter how individually personal the things are there're going to be uh, a lot of things that are relatable about them because you're just putting your raw emotion into it you know
1: oh totally and i i think that that's why you can take certain things out of songs. That's why Slow Dancing in a Burning Room is on wedding albums. Yeah. Because to some people, that song, even though it's about breakups and a relationship crumbling, it can also be the song that a couple went on a first date and heard on the radio. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it, you can have your own emotional attachments to music that might not relate to the lyrics.
0: Definitely.
1: Or the lyrics can be like a funny thing that you heard one time while you were like, drunk at taco bell and so now like whenever you hear that song you think of your friend and like so now you have this weird relationship with it or something and i literally have never had that experience i just think that that's like a weird thing i just thought of it (laughs) (laughs) i have never been drunk at taco bell but it sounds never um i've ordered taco bell uh, while drunk
0: okay but, but never I've been never there. been
1: drunk at Taco Bell. I've I never think... been in Taco Bell because I think I would have ta- I would have stolen a lot of hot sauce if I was in Taco Bell. <laughs> yeah. I would have taken so much hot sauce. Yeah. So I think I would know because I would have it in my drawer.
0: Yeah. Then you, Yeah, you definitely know.
1: And I would have loved it. <laughs> now I want to be drunk at Taco Bell.
0: <laughs> Get some Baja Blast.
1: Oh, I can't. That's too much sugar. But I used to love it. <laughs> but they're bringing back potatoes, you guys. Don't worry. Potatoes? They, t- they have potatoes in a lot of their tacos, but they took them away like six months ago because it was too much work during a pandemic to like bring all the potatoes to the different locations. But the CEO released a specific message <laughs> bring- letting everyone know that they're bringing potatoes back.
0: Oh and enough God. people
1: knew how much I loved because apparently a lot of vegetarians were pissed because like all we want in tacos is it's like potato. potatoes and beans. <laughs> and so like basically like Taco Bell community was like, sorry, vegetarians, like we're bringing them back. And, like, Hannah That's texted amazing. me and was like, hey, bro, like, guess what? And, potatoes like, three other three people texted me like, hey, potatoes <laughs> are coming back, bro. But I guess it's not to, like, late March because they have to, like, I read the whole, the whole uh, press release. Like, they're, it's going to take a while to get them to back in all of the locations.
0: Wow. What a good guy.
1: I know. <laughs> He's just trying to help some people out. So, like, CEO of Taco Bell coming in hot.
0: All right. We got two more songs. We can get through this.
1: <laughs> I know, sorry.
0: No, that's okay. We're pretty much on on like standard time of what the other uh podcasts were as well. So. Gucci. Uh, in repair is the next one?
1: Oh, honestly, the song plays in my head all the time after I listen to it. I have a hard time like not hearing it all the time. I don't know about you.
0: It's I one think of those. it's like
1: it's one of those hooks like because he just cuz it like um the line throughout it is I'm in repair. I'm not together, but I'm getting there. Mm -hmm. And it just keeps repeating. And another example of a song where you can just, you can relate it to a lot of things. This is clearly about a breakup, getting through a breakup. He's in repair. He's after that stage of like the full-blown gravity dull drums of Mm -hmm. not wanting to wake up because he's so just sad and looking for the light. He's now in repair. He's not saying he's better, but he's getting there. And um, it's taking so long. I could be wrong. I could be ready. That's my favorite lyric. It's like that rationale. It's like when, when you're like, when you're like, um, getting out of a breakup and your girlfriends are like, go on a date, like loosen the wheels. Like you gotta like meet someone, just go do it. He's like saying like, I'm in repair. It's taking so long. I could be wrong. I could be ready. Maybe I am ready. I don't know. Yeah. Like, he's saying, like, am I?
0: Yeah. But he
1: knows he's not, because he's saying, but if I take my heart's device, advice, I'm still not steady. Yeah. Like, so he knows that he's not ready, but he's like, maybe I am, maybe I am. I don't know. I think it's kind of a cool song.
0: I think so, too.
1: Yeah. That's my favorite lyric is, it? it's taking so long, I could be wrong, it could be ready. But if I take my heart's advice, it's still unsteady. It's just, like... Kind of real.
0: Yeah, and imagery that he paints like around that is is pretty beautiful, I think, uh, lyrics wise. But uh, I I don't quite remember how what the, the, the instrumentals of this. What what is the instrument? Oh my
1: gosh, it's gonna just like haunt you. Let me just play a little bit of it because it's so good. Um, also, another note I wrote about the song is. I feel like this is a song that you play a shit ton when you're going through a breakup, but then after the breakup, you never want to hear it again because you just like are so, like it reminds you of the time.
0: Yeah, I have definitely had those. Oh yeah, yeah.
1: It's like really chill.
0: He knew what he was doing with this one.
1: Yeah, but I like that the too many hours in this midnight part. Yeah. Right. Like it's just kind of yeah. like it's just good. Yeah. But then yeah, the the hook is Let me see. Okay, so here it is. Do you remember this? Yeah. I'm not...
0: Yeah, now you... Yeah, I totally know this one.
1: That's that's the hook. That's the hook that'll get you. The I'm not together, but I'm getting there. Mm -hmm. It's cool. It's just a good song. It's light, but it's also thoughtful.
0: Yeah. And one of the things I respect him about a lot, like... He he's an amazing guitarist and he knows it, but it doesn't mean that you're just gonna hear constant guitar solo riffing on every song. No,
1: he's not. He's not cocky about it. He's honestly yeah. a little shy about it, in yeah. my opinion.
0: Which is pretty cool. Like I mean,
1: yeah, I mean he definitely like had a lot of guitars when he had his sets on stage, but like it was just because he had preferences. Like it wasn't to be a douche, but it was cool. Like from my view of the stage, when I saw him, you could see like the backstage of like the guy who was in charge of handing John his different guitars and like all the guitars like sitting there Yeah. and there were so many and they were all looking so cool. And like clearly like what a cool job. Like what do you put on your resume for that? Like guitar guy, Yeah. (laughs) guitar hander, uh, liaison to guitar. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Probably stagehand, but still.
0: Yeah, that's anyway. Funny. I would like that job.
1: I would be really bad at that job. Yeah. yeah. I'm so clumsy and also would be just too captivated too bad. <laughs> um,
0: anyway. I'm gonna find another you as the last song in the album. Uh-huh. Um I don't know what to think about this one.
1: So what I'm going to say about this is it's makes sense that it's at the end of the record because this album seems like it's, it shoots between like, like self-centered moments where he's just like really trying to just like better himself because of a breakup or in a breakup or in love. So at the end he's kind of coming to terms with it. So Mm. it makes sense that like in repair came before because in repair was literally like, I'm working through some shit. I'm trying to get out of this breakup. And then I'm going to find another you is he made some peace with his breakup. He's saying, but when my loneliness is through, I'm going to find another you. Yeah. So he's working through it. It's still kind of a glum song, but it's he's he's saying, I think my favorite lyric is now I'm going to dress myself for two one for me and one for someone new. It's that feeling when you go out after you've like, you want like, you wanna be impressive. Like you wanna like, you want someone to find you attractive. So you you dress up for me and for someone new. Like yeah. you're, you're trying to show off. you're trying to look good. Yeah, exactly. And so he's no longer like in a sweatshirt. Like, oh, I'm in a relationship, I'm going to a bar. Like, I'm just gonna sit here with my bros. It's like, no he's trying because he needs to put himself out there again so it totally is contextually it, it's cool
0: yeah I, l- I like the line uh but you'll have uh you might may- you might have your reasons but you will never have my rhyme i'm going to sing my way away from blue yeah uh i mean it just kind of shows what he's doing with this album you know he's mm-hmm. he's the th- this making these songs is probably kind of therapeutic for him
1: Mm -hmm. which is why i once again why it worked so well um i think that's completely why it worked so well i think that you know there might have been a few catalysts but yeah there was clearly at least one big love or one big situation that really um worked in his favor to make this record plausible and clearly i don't know has been so prevalent through so many years literally 15 years since it came out probably 16 years since it started being written and besides the Jimi Hendrix song, um, and it's just so, it's so good. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I just, I find that there's such a resilience, um, a resilience to this album, but also a resilience with its inability to find love in any record, which is also interesting to me that regardless of any album that you listen to from John Mayer, he still is looking for love but he's not giving up and i think that's really cool yeah um it's definitely his primary goal in his records is that he's still trying um but i also think that's awesome and that's like an overarching message that i see and i appreciate especially in a pandemic um you know like we're all just trying to like you know find happiness and love and in in any record like yeah He's not saying that he's done. He's still, in every record, you can look at it as he's a playboy and he loves women and he's always dating someone new. Or you can look at it as he's a loveaholic and he's so dedicated to finding his partner and he has amazing resilience to keep trying. Mm-hmm. And I think that's super cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. You can look at it multiple ways.
1: Even though I still feel like Your Man is a horrible song. And just so you know, my friend Hannah would be mad if I didn't say this. I thought that the song was I Still Feel Like You're Mad for like a very long time.
0: <laughs> Your man? I don't know. Which which was. Um that that's part?
1: on uh Search for Everything. That's the one song I don't like on Search for Everything.
0: Oh That was the hit. I Still Feel Like You're Man, yeah that it is...
1: It's I Still Feel Like You Man, but I thought it was I Still Feel Like You are Mad.
0: <laughs>
1: and I was like, it makes sense. Like he's just like he's just like kinda jazzy and he's like I know you told me that you're okay with it, but I know you're actually still pissed. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I still feel like you're mad. (laughs) I love that. That's
0: hilarious. I
1: know. It was so bad when she heard me saying it. And it was like the third time I'd said it. She was like, oh my God, you're not saying man. (laughs) You were totally saying mad. I was like, yeah. She's like, that's not the lyric. That's not the lyric. She's like, aren't you listening to it on your phone? Like, can't you like read it? It's
0: literally the title of the song. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I'm insane. I'm literally insane. Mom has always told me to uh, read labels better. I still, like two years ago, bought black bean soup instead of black beans it was really sad. I was trying to make chili, so it was like a really big devastation. Did yeah, you just eat
0: the beans, sadly?
1: No, like, black bean soup is like pureed black beans. Oh. So it was like a real to-do. It really oh. fucked up my chili. But Hannah, Hannah said, you know, you should really read the labels. And then I just had this drawback to mom saying that when we were little. Oh. And I was like, fuck. You're right. I've never read the labels. I bought creamed corn once, too, instead of corn kernels. Oh, no. I <laughs> it wasn't for the same chili. That would have been a weird chili um anyway
0: so, uh that, that finishes up the album um any last conclusion conclusion thoughts about this album like what would you like to say to someone uh that hasn't heard this or just yeah in general
1: um what i would say about this album is you won't find much difference from it from any like like modern blues record like if you were listening to like a sam smith like lonely hour or like Mumford and Sons, like a modern Mumford and Sons album or something like that, where you get that like folky bluesy vibe, Mm -hmm. Um, you wouldn't know when this song came from. Like, I mean, this album came from. It feels still very current and it's just, it just puts you in a good mood. It's like cleaning your kitchen music, you know? You just want to like put it on and just like, like dance with a broom in a burning room. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. What do you have to say, Ders? What do you, what would you want to tell someone?
0: Um, I'd say, yeah, like, you can pretty much, it's a very approachable album. You can kind of come at it from wherever, you know, you, I don't, I'm of the mindset that there's nothing wrong with listening to albums without listening to the lyrics. Like, I think that you probably should listen to the lyrics, but if you're just going to listen to this to have it be some pause, peaceful, somewhat background noise, like, I think that's fine.
1: What would you listen, if you were listening to it with lyrics, do you still think it's
0: approachable? Um, I'd say so. I mean, it. I think he does, uh, the, the things he's singing about are purposefully relatable. You yeah, know? yeah. Um, he
1: does a good job.
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's good all around, and I'm sure most of you have already, already heard it. But it's, it's worth going back to, for sure. Worth
1: going back to. Worth adding to a playlist with, like, some good, like, Adele and Casey Musgraves. Oh, yeah. And, like, just having, like, some really good, just, like, a chill vibes playlist. It's just, it's going to make you feel good. It's going to make you, I don't know. The only thing that you might notice differently after listening to our record is maybe our funny remarks about the mansplaining or the fact that, um... Those guitar solos, man. I mean, so good. he's so good. He's so good, and he's funny. Like, I, he hasn't done it in a while, but sometimes on Instagram, he'll do these weird, like, little corners where he has this weird backdrop with like all these stuffed animals behind him, and he does these like weird interview segments, and they're just goofy. <laughs> and he's just clearly bored and funny. And... I saw
0: him on the Hot Ones show. Have you seen that? No. Do you know what Hot Ones is? No. so it's like this youtube uh this youtube thing where they this guy who's just a really good interviewer interviews famous people and he they eat like hot wings while they interview and then like cute it's kind of like the i guess kind of the idea is that as you're eating really hot wings you kind of open up more about because you're just
1: like kind of in because like honestly how could there be any anxiety because you're literally burning
0: yeah. inside.
1: Yeah. You've literally lost all inhibition probably.
0: But he see it, it was a pretty recent one maybe like a year or two ago and he, he seems like a like a pretty decent guy. Yeah
1: no he's really cool and he's like he's pretty into like you know helping up and coming artists and yeah he,
0: good guy. Uh, recently he's been featured on a lot of cool stuff that I've liked.
1: What have you liked um, that he's in?
0: Well he was on uh, Frank Ocean's album. A, a, few, a few Frank Ocean albums. He's uncredited on, on some stuff like that. Um, his, Is he just
1: doing guitar work and stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I think in the music industry, people respect him mainly for that, you know, because he's one of the best.
1: Yeah. Him and, like, him... And also, he's really good at writing songs and stuff like that. I think he's probably uncredited in songs similar to, like, Megan Trainor. Yeah. And, like, um, Esther Dean. I don't know if you know... Uh, you need uh-huh. to look up Esther Dean, dude. Will, yeah. He She wrote... She's written, like, everything. Um, there are these amazing music i mean same with megan trainer megan trainer finally like got into the scene um of being a musician in her own right but she has written so much amazing stuff um and also now she's married to junie from spy kids i don't know if you know that oh
0: that's amazing i
1: know (laughs) she's straight up married to junie Junie. from spy kids (laughs) (laughs) justice for junie you guys
0: (laughs) junie does not get enough respect no
1: all i think about him is having all those band-aids on his hand Anyway. Running
0: away from those thumb guys. Thumb thumbs!
1: <laughs> I need to watch that again.
0: Um, he had a good quarantine song with Leon Bridges, Inside mm. Friend. I like that song. It, I love Leon. And Leon's always good. Yeah.
1: Um, and if you guys are trying to break into some new John Mayer, um, You're Gonna Live Forever and Me off of his new record is amazing. Roll It on Home is amazing. Rosie is really good. In the blood is really good, and so is Emoji of a Wave. So definitely check those up out off of his new record. Um, stay away with, stay away from. I still feel like you're mad. It's not worth your time, man. No, mad. I want to stick by it, man.
0: Okay. No, it's it's <laughs> man.
1: You will know that just by reading it. Um, I'm
0: not gonna listen to it. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for coming on my show, Berta. It was great to have you. This was an awesome album to go back to, kind of thinking about the times when it came out. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, I think it's it was a great It's been a, a pleasure. Yeah. yeah,
1: thank you so much. Cheers. Cheers, everyone.